And welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Kewl Show. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kewl. And ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the Stanley Cup will be in the building at Saint-Tribel. Boy, guys, this is going to be one heck of a show. This could be the last show, technically, of the season tonight here on 12 Ounce Sports, which is being broadcasted live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also Zingo TV, channel 761, if you want to check out Zingo TV. It's easy to sign up. All you have to do is go on there and use the promo code 12 Ounce. That's the number one, the number two, the letter O, and the letter Z or Z for you improper English users. And of course, we must thank our amazing sponsors for us being here tonight, because guess what, kids? I This is not just a one-man show. Yes, I, me talking to the microphone is a one-man show. I'm talking, though, the people that put this show together, make this show happen. It is not a one-man project. We got to thank our awesome sponsors down there. MyBookie.ag in the corner. They've been really been a great bunch of pals for us during this time. Of course, sports gambling is pretty much nationwide at this point down here in the States. It has been an absolute blast working with them. You can also always go on there, use the promo code 12 ounce sports to sign up and win and get paid. Bet on your favorite sports. The NBA Finals start tomorrow night. The Stanley Cup Finals could be over tonight. You can still bet on that game as far as I know. And of course, there's baseball, WNBA, the Euro is still going on, CONCACAF Gold Cup starting up here. It has been, there's a lot to gamble on. Anything, you can do whatever you want on mybookie.ag. And of course, as always, up there in the corner, Second String Leather Company, hashtag crafted from the crease. Go on secondstringleather.com, guys. So many awesome deals on your favorite products on there. Leather wallets, bathroom bags, pillows, made from old goaltending gear. Don't worry, it's been sanitized the whole nine yards. There is no way it's going to smell totally bad because my wallet doesn't smell that bad. It actually smells great. Thanks to guys like Joe Messina and Zach Smith over there at Second Chain Leather Company. Go on secondchainleather.com and get your awesome stuff that is hashtag crafted from the crease. So, what are we going to talk about today, kids? Well, we're here on Instagram Live starting off the show as well. So, I'm going to be doing the double look here. Making sure I get both audiences in line. Of course, if you want to check us out on Instagram Live or see our Instagram videos, follow us at The Cule Show on Instagram. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter as well at The Cule Show. That's where we post all of our daily content and all of our daily updates and whatnot. But before we get to the playoffs, a couple signings today by the Minnesota Well and whatnot, we must talk about the the very tragic news that happened earlier today or that was reported earlier today. Matisse Kivlenix, or excuse me, Kivlenix of the Columbus Blue Jackets passed away at the age of 24 after chest trauma, after a firework accident. He was a very young prospect, probably one of the next, probably next goaltenders for Columbus with possibly Corpus Allo, Merge Lickens, maybe on the move to possibly Seattle, but he was a rising star and unfortunately passed away this morning. It, it's unfortunately just a tragic accident that happened. I, I can only give it so much words. Uh, Elvis Merzlikens' wife put out a great post yesterday or earlier today regarding um, the death of Matisse because him and him and Elvis were good buddies and they hung out a lot. And Elvis's wife said he was like a brother, a little brother to her. But the one I really want to point out towards is Cam Atkinson, one of the stars for the Blue Jackets. He put out on Twitter today, "quote Kivy was the nicest person and always had a smile on his face. He never ever complained and would do anything for anybody." 
It was easy to root for a guy like Kivy and a privilege to be his teammate. He'll be greatly and sorely missed, but never forgotten. My condolences to his mom, family, and everyone who loved him, end quote. And that is also expressed here on the Kula Show as well to Matisse's family, his friends, and the Columbus Blue Jackets organization. Our thoughts and prayers are with them at this unfortunate time. So with that, let's get you set for tonight's game. A big contest tonight. The Montreal Canadiens and the Tampa Bay Lightning at the Bell Center. Now, yes, I say big game, humongous implications because it's game four and Tampa has the chance to pull off the sweep. They have a chance to pull off two historical feats tonight, not just being becoming the second team in the salary cap era to go back to back, Pittsburgh obviously in 16 and 17, but also they would become the first team to win the Stanley Cup, the final series via sweep. The last team to do so, the 1998 Detroit Red Wings. And in fact, they've done it the last two times, 97 and actually 96 as well, and 95, because there was a stretch, folks, that not every Stanley Cup final was exciting. All for 95, 96, 97, 98, all went four game sweeps with the Devils beating the Wings, ironically, Colorado beating Florida, Detroit beating Philadelphia, and then Washington in coincidental years. Obviously, the Habs don't want that to happen, but let's go back to Friday night. We got you set for game three. We thought, you know what? Montreal is going to play a good game. They're going to play hard. They're going to play tough. Cody Jansen and I were like, this is, you know what? It's not over yet. But boy, the contrast of games between games two and three is pivotal to understand why Montreal is in deep doo-doo. Because look at it this way, kids. I don't think that I've ever seen a game or a team go from playing their best game of the series and lose and then go play one of their worst games of the series and still have a chance to win. But don't because of mistakes and a pretty good offense in the Tampa Bay Lightning. Montreal, they did not they were not involved in the game right off the hop. First of all, when Jan Ruda scores a goal, that should be your telltale sign, kids, that there's problems ahead. He scores just about a minute and a half into the game. And then all of a sudden, Victor Hedman scores a couple minutes later. Both their second goals of the playoffs. It's 2-0 Tampa Bay, and I haven't even finished my first beer of the game. That should be your telltale sign that this is going to be a long night, children. However, Montreal calms it down a little bit. They start to play a little bit better. They don't get... They, don't get too flustered. They start to play a little bit more confidently. However, it didn't pay off too much. They did get a goal, though, late in that first period. They were able to find the back of the net, which is obviously really important. A goal, by the way, coming from Philip to know his first. A beautiful shot, too, off the post and in. Nice snipe. The defensive forward, the ones that we've been comparing Geek Carbono to, or comparing to Geek Carbono, excuse me. The I'm looking at the shot numbers here. Montreal actually ended up out shooting Tampa 17 to 12 in that first period. So they came out with a lot better after a slow start. Sorry to take the play over. However, period two, hello, deja vu. Tampa scores twice in the first four minutes of the period. First, Nikita Kucherov gets his eighth. Just an absolute, just, first of all, a great play by Andre Palat, but an absolute dumpster fire. You can't have a two on a worst line change I've ever seen in these playoffs. And that becomes a lot from a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. When I can say that that's a bad line change, that's a bad line change because 
first of all, Eric Chernak sitting there is like, this is going to be easy. Just fired up the ice. And Andre Palat's like, cool. Starts skating down the wing and just a nice little feed on over. And next, you know, bang, bang, Kucherov gets his eighth of the postseason. Eighth assist, by the way, also for Andre Palat. How ironic or coincidental, whatever you want to call it. And then just a little over a minute and a half later, Tyler Johnson, or excuse me, Matthew Joseph gets stopped. Good save by Price. Rebound, though, right to Tyler Johnson, who is still on the Tampa Bay Lightning somehow after getting put on waivers twice, being on the taxi squad, and being an absolute afterthought. He scores his third goal of the postseason. It's 4-1 Tampa. And I'm just going to say this right now, kids. The way that first period went, I'm going to blame Sean McIndoe on this one. Calling out down goes Brown, by the way, for you athletic fans out there. He tweeted out probably about the halfway mark of the first period when Montreal was really ramping up the game, really ramping up their pressure. He tweeted out, and I saved it just in case, to say, hey, this guy's a genius. He said Montreal's going to win this hockey game. (laughs) Weren't we just all geniuses for buying that bunch of Kool-Aid and putting it down our throats, kids, because, boy, that was not the case. Now, yes, Nick Suzuki scores an absolute brutal goal given up by Andre Vasilevsky. Suzuki's seventh goal of the postseason. Second week goal. Well, his first goal of the series back down in Tampa was off a defenseman's foot, but this one was an absolute just druid of a shot. Suzuki skating down the wing. It's going to be an easy shot. It's going five hole, and for some reason, Vasilevsky forgets how to goalie, and it sneaks through his legs. And I just remember saying to myself, this is the epitome of, of how Tampa's going to win this. Like, this one just shows how good Tampa is. Vasilevsky makes 42 saves in game two. Tampa, or Montreal's best game of the series so far. He has an awful game three. And I will say awful. Because, first of all, Corey Perry's goal, okay, Corey Perry's goal in the third period was a good shot, but the Phillips and O goal, it's a bad challenge, it's a great shot, but, but then you allow that absolute just squeaker of a goal, a goal that I... I'm not going to be the, I don't like to say this often because I'm actually a pretty bad goaltender looking back on it now. I could have stopped that one. It's all about going down in the butterfly, keeping your stick on the ice and make the save. It's pretty routine, right? Well, Nick Suzuki was able to sneak it by. By the way, Petrie and Caulfield. Caulfield getting his sixth assist of the postseason on that goal, by the way. So it was 4-2 going in the third period and you thought to yourself, Montreal was at that point still out shooting Tampa. But as that second period wore on, it just felt like despite Montreal continuing to get shots and only being down by two, they felt less in the game than they did in the first period. At the end of the first period, Montreal was just gun-ho. They were flying up and down the ice. They were not allowing Tampa to get any consistent offense after taking the 2-0 lead. And the second period hit, and it just said to yourself, this doesn't look like the same Montreal team in the second period. Now, granted, Montreal didn't look like that Montreal team we saw in the first two games. Yes, there were hits involved and some extra cookies, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't like every time a Tampa Bay player passed the puck, a Montreal player would finish their check. Because that's what happened the first two games of the series. If I'm not mistaken, there were only two power plays in this game, right? Yeah, two power plays. The Victor Hedman goal in the first period was... Tampa's power play goal, so they went one for one. I don't know if it's kind of hard to really say the penalty kill was bad when you only gave up one, and then you gave, or you gave up one goal on the one power play that you were trying to kill off. So, But that's the thing. Like this, was, It was a clean game. There were hits. There were 46 for Tampa. Tampa actually out-hit Montreal, which compared to the first two games of the series was a complete reversal of outcomes because Montreal was just pesky and bumping everything and 
having a stick in there and tapping you every time you skated by someone. Like, I remember I was talking, I, I joined a Twitter space with World Hockey Report's Cody Jansen and Vegas Squares and StarCast was on there as well. And we were going, we were talking about this game and I said to myself, Montreal just didn't seem pesky in this one. They just didn't seem like, because like, I swear you could watch the game the first and second period of each of the first two games and just every time a Tampa Bay player had the puck for more than half a second, a Hab or a Canadian was going to come up and hit him in some form, whether he had the puck or he had gotten rid of the puck, there was going to be contact in some form. This did not happen as much in game three. Now, I don't know if it's just because they were down two in the second period or down three at that point in the second period, but they, they just fell out. Of, they just seemed like they fell, ran out of gas. Energy was low in the third period. Tyler Johnson gets his second. Like I said, Corey Perry got his fourth of the playoffs. Blake Coleman as an empty netter when Montreal tried to pull their goaltender they did well to make it 5-3, but then the emptiness by Blake Coleman capped it off. 6-3 win for the Bolts. I don't know how to completely dive into this and say Montreal is done, but my goodness. Because the reason why, I just, for some reason, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen tonight. You know? Is that, am I the only person that has this feeling right now that Montreal should easily win this game tonight. And I say should easily by that. I just mean that's the way hockey works. Now, granted, like I said, it's 31 thoughts host Sportsnet's Jeff Merrick said it'd be the most hockey thing ever to have this exciting playoff for the first three rounds and then have a four game sweep in the final. True. That is 100% true. Mr. Merrick. We had, like I said, four years in a row back in the nineties, back when I was an infantile 98. Yeah, I was a child in 98. I was actually around for all four of those, by the way, I was born in 95. So didn't see 96. Sort of remember 97, definitely remember 98, because I was three. I tur- just turned three after, right before the 98 playoffs. However, the extra day off, I think, really helped Montreal. Just because now they get to reset, I'm like, you know what? What do we got to lose? We've made it all this way, all the way to the final. Why would we just keel over now? Why would we just give up now? If we wanted to give up, we should have given up in game five against Toronto back in round one. Wiped our hands clean at Scotiabank and said, this ain't worth it, guys. Let's just go home. It's been a good run. Mark Bergevin, it's been a pleasure working with you. Best of luck in all your future endeavors. Sincerely, Jeff Molson. Yet they rallied each and every time they faced adversity. Now, yes, this is an insurmountable outcome and a deficit that we have seen. Yes, I know, kids. It's happened before. However, I must remind all of you that that was back in World War II when the one and only time a team has come back from a 3-0 deficit in the Stanley Cup Final in the best-of-seven era, I should add. Back in the day, they used to only do five-game series, best-of-fives. And that was when the Toronto Maple Leafs came back from a 3-0 deficit against the Detroit Red Wings, which went on to win the Cup in 1943, by the way. So, the big question is, how will Montreal play? And yes, everyone is clamoring and screaming, Carey Price has got to play better. Well, eh, you're right. 24 saves for Price. Not that impressive at all. He has certainly bowed out of the Consmith question, or the Consmith conversation, unless he only gives up one goal in the next four games and Montreal wins them all. 
or he shuts out the next three games and loses like one nothing in game seven. That's the only way Carey Price can get back into being playoff MVP. Because while it, while he hasn't been miserably bad, I'd say maybe in the first three games, I get it, they've been outscored by 10, was it 10, 10, 5? 10, 5 in the first three games or something like that? It was 6, 11, no, it was 11, 14, so 14, 6 in the first, or 14, 5 in the first three games. I would say Carey Price, two or three, you can point at him and say that were his fault. That's that's the honest and goodness truth. I know, I understand people are like, oh, but you know, if he does this differently, this differently, listen, the Tyler Johnson first goal, it's a rebound after a great save. Where's his defenseman? The the Kucherov backdoor pass. Yes, if he reads that, because there was no way Palat was going to take that shot, he should have slid across out. But why was there a 2 on zero in the first place, kids? If Palat and Kucherov of the National Hockey League, Nikita Kucherov, who is probably going to win this Vesna thing, or Vesna thing, the Smythe Trophy, because the guy that should have won the Vesna, Andre Vasilevsky, has... That game three just took him off the Smythe ballot, if you ask me personally. Kucherov, who's going to win the Smythe Trophy, has a 2-on-0 with a pretty good player in Andre Palat. There's no one around. What's Carey Price supposed to do? Now, the big thing is, and I mentioned this when I was talking with Cody and Vegas and all them, I said this. I said, it's not that Carey Price is playing bad. It's just he's not playing superstar-level, flashy save, highlight reel save, bailing his team out every single time. The magic that was in the first three rounds of these playoffs have gone away. I don't say it's gone away, but it just has not shown up in the first three games of this series. You can't say Carey Price is the reason why Montreal is down 3 nothing. That's not fair. Look at the team in front of them. And yes, the, and that's been the big question over the last couple of days. That's, that's the problem with the two days off is that it gives people plenty of time to talk and panic across the hockey landscape, hockey media landscape. Because the big thing is Montreal's inability to score. And yes, they have fallen behind each of the first three games of the series. So that 11-2 and two mark we kept mentioning about, it may not change during this postseason, just, or during this series, just because of the fact that they have not been able to jump out in front. They've not been able to get ahead. They've not been able to find a rhythm in a game. They found themselves chasing from the get-go. Because Tampa's always found a way to score early in each of the three games so far. So if Montreal, I'm not just saying because the stats there, but Montreal needs to score first. I don't think there's any question in anyone's mind. If Montreal does not score first, the Cup may as well just start getting shine. Philip Pritchard put those white gloves on and just start bringing it slowly out to the ice because as soon as that buzzer hits, just bring it out and get it over with. I just don't see Montreal winning if they don't score first. Now, maybe they have some luck on their side. Actually, we'll get to that in a second. We should address the fact that Jesperi Kakaniemi is not in the lineup tonight. Kakaniemi, who was kind of in and out of the lineup the first few games of the Toronto series, but then seemed like a mainstay the rest of the way through. And all of a sudden, they lose the first three games, and Dominic Ducharme and Mark Bergevin just slammed that panic button. Now, granted, they didn't slam to the point where Jake Allen's in net for Montreal, which I'm pretty sure I think, while a lot of people are screaming for Jake Allen to be in net, why? Yes, yeah, so we're going to ride this this pretty much a going to be a Hall of Fame goaltender in Carey Price. He's probably going to get his number raised to the Raptors. Remember, we talked to the Curfew Boys last Monday about this. And you know what? You're going to pull him in the last game. Let him go out. If you're going to let... This is his one, probably his one final he'll ever play in. I'm sorry, kids. 
like this will be a conversation for later on down the line in the summer. Montreal is not going to be a contender next year. But Tyler, they were not a contender this year. Listen, they are not going to get as lucky as they were this year. Kind of got a little bit of a luck factor with the fact that Matt Murray was at the end of his prime last or in 2020 during the qualifying round. And then they ran to a pretty good Philadelphia team who is not even that good this year. So Kakanemi's out. Lineups jumble a little bit. Jake Evans is placed in there. The Habs are trying everything they can just to get a win tonight because it's one of those things where you just have to win one just to stay alive. Now, granted, there is someone that's kind of a Tampa fan, I would believe, that wants Montreal to win tonight. That is Tampa Bay Mayor Jane Castor. She went on Twitter today and looked like a media scrum off of some bridge somewhere near the, looked like the, the canal or channel where they had the boat parade last year for the Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup Championship. She said, pretty much, paraphrasing, that she would hope that Montreal or Tampa would lose so they could have a chance to win on home ice. Now, this is what I also said after the loss on Friday for Montreal. Montreal is probably going to win tonight. Whether or not because Tampa wants to win at home, but Montreal is going to put in an effort. They're going to want to win because they don't want to have their last game at the Bell Center this season be a loss because they know that they have to go outside to the probably 30,000-plus people outside the barn that are going to want their heads because they got swept in the Stanley Cup final. Now, I didn't look this up at all. I wonder if I can quickly try to do it while I'm talking. Because I wonder if the Montreal Canadiens had ever been swept in the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, do, 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 do. Let's see if I can pull it up here. Now, we have to go back. This will, And I will say this. It'll be the the actual Stanley Cup era where they actually played series. And I will only do the seven-game series as well, not the five-gamers, even though it doesn't look like they even got swept in the five-game, best-of-five series. Okay, I'll do that. I'll do that probably during the break. So if you're on Instagram Live, I apologize. You have to jump on 12-ounce sports to get the answer to this. But they're not going to want that to happen. And, and this is why I said to Mike, Tampa, it would make sense for Tampa to win at home. Because imagine this. Yes, it had been 17 years since they last won. But that fan base loves that team. They wanted to celebrate. That's why the the party in the canal, the boat party, it was cool because it was A, it was unique, and B, that was like the only way they could celebrate with their team after they won a championship. It was so great that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers even did it. Tom Brady got blitzed out of his mind, but who cares? It's fun for everybody. But Tampa would they would love the Bolts, you know, I mean, as much as they say, you know, we're we don't care about that, we want to win, just get it over with. They would love to win on home ice. You know that. Everyone loves to win on home ice. I was wearing yesterday when I was out with uh with my family for Fourth of July. I wore my Grand Rapids Griffins Calder Cup 2013. It was a very generic T-shirt they gave away for free. I was wearing that shirt, and I remember my brother and I were talking about that series. They were up 3-1 at home because the way in the AHL it works, it goes 2-3-2, not 2-2-1-1-1 like this, the NHL does. Similar, They do it how the NBA Finals is, 2-3-2. Two games in one, three in a row another, two and then two at the, the host bar. So Grand Rapids was up 3-1 against Syracuse in 2013. They have game five. They have a chance to win on home ice. They lose. They played horribly. My aunt loves to tell this joke, and it's like, you know what probably happened was, because 
the Griffins, what they did during the playoffs, and I think they still, well, they would, probably not now because of the pandemic, but they, what they used to do when they made the playoffs was whenever it was a playoff game, they would always do for each home playoff game, they would do $2 beer, $2 dogs, which they usually only say for Friday night games. But since it's the playoffs, you want to sell at the barn, do everything you can to get as many people in, cheap beer and hot dogs. That's how you do it, right? Hey, kill question on there. Hey, and Jordan DeShane's there as well. Hey, Jordan, how we doing? Jordan, if you want to hang around, I'm going to be talking about Jack Eichel in the second half of the show. You're going to love to hear, love to hear about that. It's actually some good news. It's okay. But anyways, Grand Rapids loses game five. Played horribly. They go back to Syracuse for game six. They win with ease. They win the Calder Cup. They bring it back. And everyone's... And I was literally half an hour. I was downtown that night. They won. They came back from Syracuse bust over. I missed them by like an hour. And they, Jeff Hogan, Marty Firk. No, was Firk? No, Firk was not there yet. But um, Thomas Tatar, Pat, Peter Morazic, apparently literally fell off the bus. I mean, fell off the bus. Apparently the Calder Cup was not dropped, but that's how the Griffins won in 2013. 2017, though, they did win on home ice because I guess it was a much more manageable scenario for, for the authorities, at least mythologically speaking. So... Anyways, back to Tampa, Montreal here after I took my quick sidewinder. If they come out in front, they're going to win. But I think Montreal, they're going to come out hard. They're not going to want to lose. They're not going to want the cup to be awarded on their own ice. I, I don't see it happening. Actually, let's see this here. I just, yeah, here we go. So I'm using a site that I can quickly look at some. I'm trying to see if Montreal's ever been swept in the finals here. Montreal Canadiens. Here we go. They, yes, they have. They, and I forgot about this. So the only time the Montreal Canadiens were ever swept in the finals was 1952 when the Detroit Red Wings swept the Montreal Canadiens. And that was the year that Terry Sawchuk, because remember, this was back when it was eight games. They swept the Toronto Maple Leafs in round one and Montreal and obviously in the cup final. Terry Sawchuk did not give up a goal on home ice. They won every game. He shut out every single game on home ice. He had a couple on the road, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And his goals against average was like one, 1.1 1. 1 or something like that. Something stupidly low. Yeah, suit. So it, it was the 50s. I couldn't lift the puck, yada, yada. Listen, if the Rocket Richard's coming down the wing and he's got a guy by the name of Andre Richard on the other wing and he's going to have Elmer Locke coming down the middle, it's not easy to, you know, stop that kind of attack. I know the Toe Blake was the coach at the time, so the actual punchline was not there for Montreal anymore, but they still had the rocket coming down the right wing side. And the, he held them to, I believe, three goals in the final series. That's how good the Red Wings were that year. But, yeah, so, and that was also the origination of Al the Octopus. The Octopus getting thrown on the ice because the, um, oh, gosh, Carmano Brothers? I think it was the Carmano Brothers. I think that's the right name. It was an Italian AF name on the east side of Detroit. They had a fish marina, and they said, hey, we have these octopi here. There's eight legs of this thing. There's only eight wins to win the Stanley Cup. Let's chuck it on the ice when the game was in the bag. And they did at the old Olympia there back in the spring of 1952. So, yes, that'll be the game tonight. Eight o'clock puck drop Montreal, Tampa. Can Montreal live to see another day? Give themselves a chance. May not be a full chance, but I, I, it's hard to think that they're not going to win tonight. I believe they will win. They will win to force game five. Tampa win at home. St. Pete times, or not St. Emily Arena will go nuts. It'll be great. 
they'll be able to celebrate and Montreal fans won't try to kill their team because they got swept in the finals because nobody wants to see that happen, kids, right? So that is, we'll take a quick break here. I'm going to say that is, that is it for Instagram Live. So unfortunately for all you folks that joined in a little late, that's okay. I do apologize. But if you want to keep tuned in, just jump on over to 12 Ounce Sports, whether it be on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Zingo TV. Stay, check us out there for the second part of the show. Probably only going to be a little over an hour today. I'm not going to go too far in because I do want to get ready and have some dinner before puck drop tonight between the Habs and the Bolts. But for now, though, we'll take a quick break here on 12 Ounce Sports. More of the Kewl Show right after this. And welcome back to the Kewl Show, everyone. Tyler Kewl here, the insider of the Insiders. We just previewed Game 4 before we went to break. Can the Les Habitants stay alive or will Les Bolts? I don't know how to say Bolts on Espanol. The Bolts, can they do it tonight? And lift Lord Stanley at the Bell Center, 8 o'clock puck drop. If you want to check out the my preview for the game and a little bit of a fun story with the Grand Rapids Griffins, I will say you can. It may be out of date by the time it comes up on the Kula Show YouTube channel or your favorite podcatcher, but that's where you can always check it out. And, of course, if you want to check it out as well on 12 Ounce Sports, you can do that as well. But check out the TKS YouTube channel where you get all the latest. Maybe doing some specials this summer. Maybe. Maybe. Hard maybe because it's something I've wanted to do for a while. Some cool stuff. But uh, I just haven't had the time nor the equipment to do so. I may have some time, freed up time this off season, possibly. It's going to be a short off season, though, of course, because A, we're going from late July to, or mid-July. Well, pardon me, it could be early July to um, October, September. Because we will take time off after free agency wraps up after the first couple of days. Obviously, like we said, we're going to do coverage with the Seattle Kraken expansion draft, which is July the 21st. July 17th is when the protected lists are to be released. And so we'll probably have a lot of talk about that. Trying to find some people to talk about that. We're trying to find a date, too, that we can get Alex back here for that because Alex really wants to be a part of it. And I want him to as well because it's fun when we're both here on the Kula show. So. With that, like I said, you can check out the preview later, and hopefully, well, no matter what, next this coming Thursday, like we usually do our hour-long Thursday shows, like I said, today this will probably be an hour-long show here on 12-Ounce Sports, but Thursday will be our last Thursday show of the season. Remember, we only do Thursdays during the postseason because we need to stay up to date on everything. So Thursday will be the last one. Monday, going back next Monday, we'll be back to normal, at least for a couple weeks, because we'll probably probably take a pause for a couple weeks unlike we've done in the past probably take a break from things just to kind of slow everything down kind of relax a little bit and get ready for next season let me see when is nhl free agency 2021 it is it doesn't help me it says top 30 or 60 free agents uh yeah date there we go let's click date uh angel free agency it begins on July 28th, so yes, probably August 1st, since July 28th is a Wednesday. We'll probably do something August 2nd, and then probably take, honestly, maybe a month off. We'll see. Anyways, that's for a later date to determine. Let's talk about the current news across the National Hockey League, some player talk here. Let's first jump on the page of the Minnesota Wild. They had a busy day today, or a busy week, pardon me. First, they get a big signing, a much-needed signing, 
Yoel, Joel Erickson Eck getting an eight-year extension. Big cash money going for the depth player for the Minnesota Wild. $5.25 million AAV. I had Cap Friendly all lined up, ready to go, and then an ad decided to pop up. There we go. No signing bonuses, no performance bonuses, no, no move clause, no no trade clause, none of that. It can be moved, but five and a quarter mil. You know what? Not awful. Not awful. And you guys remember we had Pat McGletty on during the first round when we talked about them playing Vegas. Eric Sinek, who did score the game winner in that first game of that series back in round one. We love Eric Sinek. And by we love, I mean, I hate him because whenever he takes on the Leafs, I watch him and I am terrified because he is this pesky player. He plays hard, he works hard, and he's good. And he's consistent. Minnesota could be 15 points out of a playoff spot. Eric Sinek is going to be plus one with maybe an assist, but you will notice him more often than not. Now, granted, Minnesota is hardly ever out of the playoffs because, heck, they make the playoffs about every year at this point. But good move by Minnesota. They also continue to keep their depth by bringing back Nick Bukestad for a year, signing him at 900K. By the way, career year for Noel Eriksson Eck, despite only playing in 56 games with the shortened season, 30 points, 19 goals, 11 assists, all career. Well, the assists are not a career high. Last year in 2020, he had 21 in the shortened season there, but 30 points, 19 goals, career highs for the youngster from Karlstad, Sweden. And I say youngster as he is, in fact, well, yeah, he's born in 97. He's a youngster. He is, uh, yes, he is older than Kelly, but he's younger than I. So he's a little wee lad, is Mr. Yoel Eriksson Eck. Now, I will say this. It's it's crazy. I, I remember I, I was talking to my brother today about this. And I was like, you know, it's weird. Because we can't go to junior hockey games and yell at players nowadays. Because we're so we're getting to that point now. We're old. Like I'm 26, he's 23, so we're like, or he's gonna be 23 this year, excuse me. So it's like it's weird seeing all these kids in the game nowadays. It's kind of funny. But like I said, Nick Bukestad getting signed. Nick Bukestad is certainly not a child, <laughs> but he is on for another year at 900k. Not a not an awful contract. They have a lot of cap space coming up for this see this upcoming season. They actually have almost 16 mil in cap space. Nick Buke said, by the way, quick jump overhead in his numbers last season, 17 points in 44 games. Obviously, it was not the biggest. He was, had, had a little bit of injury problems at times. And he also he had a very injury-riddled season the year before with Pittsburgh, only played in 13 games. So trying to find you know the kind of play he had back when he was kind of a, I don't say a big name with the Florida Panthers, but when he was a key part of that team that won the Atlantic division title back in 2016 came over to Pittsburgh. Just, it didn't click enough. Unfortunately for them, uh, was a guy they hoped for in the playoffs. which unfortunately nothing ever materialized. So Minnesota is going to like to keep him around looking at their numbers of who they have to sign. You have Nick Bonino for another year. He's 33 years old. Marcus Johansson, who ended up being a pretty solid player for the wild. He's an age 30. But, of course, the big ones that you're going to have to worry about, obviously, you also have Ian Cole and Brad Hunt in the back end. Those could be easy ones to sign. Kevin Fiala, 24 years old, RFA with Arbrights. Kirill Kaprizov. Now, the Calder Trophy winner. By the way, did you guys hear this story? Kirill Kaprizov. He found out 
that he won the Calder while he was out fishing back home. It's it's kind of funny. It's <laughs> it's just so humorous to think about that, Mike. You know, because I know I've, there's no big award ceremony like there usually is in normal circumstances, but just being out there and fishing, I'm like, hey, I won the Rookie of the Year. That's pretty neat. Um, the big thing is Billy Guerin has come out and said publicly, of course, this was when he was getting talking about Erickson X, saying that the contract negotiations with Kaprizov have not gone cold. And he said, quote, it has not gone cold contrary to what some people have reported. We've got an open dialogue going. There is nothing new to report, but it's not like things have stopped. We have plans to really get going, end quote. Now, the there was the rumor that started to swirl that he was going to go back to the KHL. And I think that's what Billy Guerin trying to say no to. He's trying to say, no, this is not a thing. It's not happening. And Kaprizov, he's a 10.2C sort of free agent, which pretty much means that he does not have the necessary amount of playing or professional Cs required for being group 2 RFA status, which is your basic RFA. So he, so he couldn't be offersheeted by another team which is easy for Bill Guerin. However, that means he has to sign him. Now, what is his figure? We don't know because you have to remember Kaprizov was a rookie and we have seen players have good rookie seasons and kind of dwindle away. Rasmus Dallin, we're looking at you, friend. Now, granny plays for the Buffalo Sabres, so I'm pretty sure that that's kind of put an asterisk moving next to his development. But you need to sign him, at, but what's going to be the figure? And that's what I wonder with Kaprizov is he going to try to hold the whole, hey, guys, I was your best player. I deserve to be paid this much. Because it's odd, and we talked to Micheletti, he likes playing with Minnesota. At least that's from the inclination that we're getting what we see on the outside. Now, yes, we are not in the locker room daily. We're not in the ear of Dean Evison. We don't know how he interacts with the other players all the time, but it sounds like the players like having him around, and he likes playing for them. You saw how he played in that series against Vegas. He was playing hard and physical for his team. Was he racking up crazy numbers? No, unfortunately not. But then again, Minnesota in the playoffs, they don't like doing that. They like to win 2-1, one nothing games. And with that, you wonder if this is going to be end up like a bridge deal, a three-year contract, which should get him to RFA years, but if, even if you give him a two-year, that should give him enough seasons to be a status two RFA, which is where he could get off sh- offer sheeted, and then you're buying UFA years. So I wonder if that's the plan. Because like I said, they have $16 million, and they have, I mean, this is a team, dare I say it, guys, that could go after somebody. Now, yes, there's a lot of wisp. I mean, obviously, Marco Rossi is going to be, should be coming up next year, returning from injury. He's less than nine hundred grand. And there's a couple other players that are down the list as well that could be making jumps and their goaltending is okay for next year. Kapokakin is signed for one more year, and then two more years with Cam Talbot. Minnesota, I don't know if it's just because they like this underdog thing that they have going, but they have a chance to do something. The cap space they have on their roster right now, 16 mil. Let's just say two years, six mil for Kaprizov. Let's throw a hypothetical out there for you. Okay, you're down to 10,000. Or ten million, excuse me. You get Benino, one point five for a couple of years. You get Johansson, 
two mil tops. All right. All of a sudden, you're looking like you have the matter of fact that you have seven or after sign a couple more guys, you probably have six or seven mil for next season. I'm not saying they're going to go out and sign the big fish free agent because there's a lot, guys. Alex Ovechkin's a free agent. That's not going to happen, let's be honest. However, you really wonder if Minnesota's going to try to add some pieces here. They have the luxury. They have the ability. They have the money. And they showed last year that at points, they were leading that West Division. They were leading against Vegas and Colorado. Yes, there is the bottom half of the division. But they were beating Vegas and beating Colorado hammering St. Louis with St. Louis did at the same time to them. But let's jump to see who are the unrestricted free agents to watch out for. That could be a possibility. That could be a legit possibility. So I'm going to go to the browse UFAs. I'm going to sort by points because, oh, it's already done it for me. That's nice. Because obviously there's like Ovechkin, David Krejci, but the UFAs that you're going to probably want to watch out for, for Minnesota maybe go after. I don't know what the talks are with Tyson Berry in Edmonton. Listen, we don't know how long Matthew Dumba's going to be in a wild uniform, guys. I know it's this is a long saga, but a right-handed offensive defenseman, that wouldn't be awful. Mike Hoffman was with St. Louis. Dougie Hamilton's on the market. I don't know if that's going to happen because I think Dougie's going to want a lot of money. It sounds like Paul Stasny likes playing in Winnipeg, so that may not be something you want to totally go after, but... If you ever watch the game for if you've been watching the finals, something that gets mentioned once or twice. Barclay Goudreau, Blake Coleman, those guys are going to be available. That could be a possible outlook there for the Minnesota Wild to go after. There's a couple other smaller names as well. We mentioned, of course, there's you can get more veterans if you want to. You have a possibility of getting a guy like Kyle Palmieri. And there is Travis Zajac from, from the Islanders. I don't know what their plans are going to be if they go back to New Jersey or if they sign with someone else. You could make a run at Matthew Pro if you want to. There is Thomas Nosek, who had a pretty good year this year with Vegas. He had 18 points in 38 games. He's making just about next to nothing for Vegas. And you go down the list, you kind of get to a little bit of the heavier names. Yoel Armia is a name that's just, I. there's no way Montreal doesn't sign him to re-sign him. So I wouldn't bother going out. But there's names, there's possibilities for a guy you could sign for 4 or $3 million. That could be a big part of your lineup in some form, defenseman or forward. Because goaltending, knock on wood, they're fine. Kappa Nakakinen and Cam Talbot, that is going to be a tandem to continue to be to watch out for. I'm not saying they're going to be like Rask, Halak in 19 and 20, but they're not going to be a slouch. I can tell you that much right now. So Minnesota, they got a bright future. They have a couple depth pieces resigned. You got to get Kaprizov locked up for at least a couple of years because obviously, like I said, it's one of those things that you don't want to, if you can get them to sign long-term six or seven years, oh my gosh, do it now. Because if you can get them for seven mil, eight mil for a long time, uh, yeah, I'll take that because eventually the cap will go up and he'll be hitting his prime right around then and you can build more players around him and all of a sudden Minnesota's a dynasty. Okay, maybe not that far-fetched, but you know what I mean, kids. Speaking of contracts and other things, Duncan Keith is rumored to be going in the Pacific Northwest or out west in general. Now, this is something we talked about a little bit last Thursday towards the end of the program. It's now rumored that Edmonton seems to be the front runner. 
for Mr. Duncan Keith. Now, let's just quickly turn on over here to Mr. Keith of Duncan. He does have money and term on his contract with the Chicago Blackhawks. Actually, only two years, sorry. That was longer. Now, when we started this show, Duncan Keith's contract was off the board. He's making a little over five and a half for the next two seasons. And yes, he's not the same Duncan Keith that won the Cosmite back in 2015. He's not the superstar that he was. I get it. But he's still a guy that can bring something to a young, an inexperienced team. Edmonton, they need something like that. I wonder if that's the fit they want to try to go for. Now, the question is, what is Chicago going to want and what are they going to have to hold on to? Because because Kenny Holland's not a dummy. Neither is Stan Bowman. Those two guys, they haven't really worked together much back in their days when Kenny was in Detroit, albeit they were divisional rivals for the majority of that time. However, they both know what they want out of this sort of thing. Chicago, they want to get rid of cap. However, Edmonton doesn't want to have too much cap. Remember, they just signed Nuja Hopkins for almost a decade. So Chicago's going to have to eat some of that contract, whether it be half, whether it be more than half, whether it be a quarter of it, whether it be a couple mil, whether it be one mil. That obviously would have to be discussed. Chicago, as of right now, with Duncan Keith on their, excuse me, on their roster on cap friendly, they have a little over six, they have $6.2 million in cap space. Currently, they have to sign, looking, they have uh, Vinny Histonosa, or excuse me, Hinostroza, holy moly, uh, Plus Suter, Brandon Hagel, Adam Gaudet, David Camp are all RFAs. And Hagel is a 10.2 RFA. Nikita Zadorov, who they got in a trade, remember? And you wonder what they're what the deal is. Because they got him with, that was the, for the Brandon Saad trade with Colorado. They're probably going to want him because just adds a little bit more depth defensively, especially if you're going to get rid of Duncan Keith. Goaltending-wise, you have three lined up. You have Connor D'Elia, Malcolm Subban, Kevin Lankinen, who is probably going to be the starter next year. All of them that are between the three goaltenders making 2.65. I wonder who's going to get exposed. Hello, Malcolm Subban. You're going to expansion team once again. Uh, I like where Chicago's status is. Let's take a look at Edmonton's. Because even though I we talked about the contract with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I didn't really look at it. So they have six over 16 mil in cap space, but they have to sign Alex chase on. That's something you have to do. Tyler Ennis. It's an iffy one. It's not, it's, it's going to be a cheap contract, but you could or could not sign. It's all up to you. Dominic Cahoon and Kyler Yamamoto are both RFAs. Uh, Arbright's for Cahoon. You also have Yuhar Kahira and Patrick Russell as UFAs. Those are a couple, um, elder guys. Well, 26 years old is Kahara, but, it's all whatever Kenny Holland wants to do with them. Doesn't sound like they're going to be too much. Obviously, I could mention Tyson Berry, Tyson Berry earlier as a UFA. Adam Larson, remember that famous guy? He's your alternate captain. He's a UFA. Dmitry Kulikov and Slater Kokek, who is probably going to be a cheap contract if they want to resign him, is a UFA as well. Mike Smith is a UFA. So right now, the goaltending situation in Edmonton is Alex Stalock, who they picked up off waivers, and Miko Koskinen. I'm still a Stalock fan. I like him. He's an underdog story kind of guy. I thought he should have been the starter. And then I was proved wrong mightily by a guy by the name of Cam Talbot with Minnesota. So I don't know if that's what Kenny Holland wants to go forward with, but Mike Smith ain't getting any younger. He's going to be turning 40 next season. They have to sign guys. 
long story short for Edmonton. And they're going to want to go after a goaltender. But back to the Duncan Keith side of things here, Chicago's going to want stuff in return. Now, Edmonton doesn't have a crap ton of draft picks. In fact, this year they don't have the second, nor their third, or their fifth. This year, they don't have their fourth next season, but they do have pit, They have two picks in this year's sixth round. But, I mean, what are you going to get? What are you going to have to give Chicago is the question. I don't think Duncan Keats anywhere near a first-round draft pick anymore. You can probably get him for a second, a third. Maybe that's it. But I, I that just shows, I don't know how desperate Stan Bowman is to get rid of him. Because you want to get him at full value, but what is Keats' value nowadays? It's only a couple picks, and I don't see really any high. Maybe, maybe or maybe, second and third may be too much. Maybe a third and a fifth for Duncan Keith. If you're going to get two picks out of this. If you're Edmonton, I would try to get two picks. I wouldn't try to get one high pick. I would try to get, or excuse me, Chicago, not Edmonton, Chicago. I would try to get two picks. That's just me. I like to think that if you're going to load up, just load up with as many picks as possible and hope what sticks. Because eventually, you will find the right guy. Because everyone talks about Braden Point. He's a third-round draft pick. Wasn't the highest prospect. Tampa drafted four other guys during that, or actually, I think five other guys that draft that Braden Point got picked up in. None of them have made the NHL, or at least have been substantial long-time NHLers. Chicago has a few picks this year. They have two sevenths, two fourths, two second, their own first, and their own sixth. No third or fifth-round picks. 2022, they have their first, second, their third, fourth, sixth, and seventh, not their own fifth. They don't even have a fifth, actually. And they also have a third-round pick that came from Vegas in the trade that came when they received. That was during the Matias Janmark flip to, to Vegas, and San Jose gave up. Or no, Vegas gave San Jose a pick, and then Chicago got from Vegas a couple picks as well. So that's where that came in. But anyways, long story short, if you're going to get get rid of Duncan Keith, get as many picks as possible. May not be high round picks, but get as many as you can. Now, quickly wrapping up today's show here, we're going to talk about Jack Eichel briefly here. A little bit less than, a little over five minutes left in the show. I can go over seven if I wanted to. Uh, the So, we haven't gone into it too much because Jack Eichel, ever since the, I'm trying to think of the last time we talked about it. It's been a month or so. But his agent, Peter Fish, came out and said, quote, we're communicating with the team and are heading toward a resolution. Now, of course, this all has to do with the health of Jack Eichel. He wants to do a, a rather experimental surgery that's never been done on a hockey player before to try to fix his neck, which has been the problem, hence why he didn't play the last, I don't know how many games this year. But Buffalo doesn't want to go forward through that because, A, he's a long-term asset, and they don't want to lose him because a surgery went wrong or he couldn't become a 100% to play. And that's where Jack Eichel pretty much came out and said in this post after the season was regular season was over, pretty much said, hey, wherever I may play next year, implying that he may get traded. So, but according to his agent in a recent interview saying that we have been in positive talks with the team, which is shocking because positive and Buffalo Sabres hockey don't go along together too well, the exception of Rick Jenner, because that's the only reason why I like watching ESPN plus and watching the Buffalo Sabres. If they're out, if they're the home team, because that means I get to listen to Rick Jenner and as, as defeated as he may sound some nights, he's still a fun guy to listen to whenever I listen to listen to games. But listen, it's, it's understated to say Jack Eichel needs to stay in Buffalo. If the Sabres want any chance, and I mean any chance 
of quickly turning this around. And I say quickly turn around, even though it's been going on for almost a decade of rebuilding. But if they want to find a way to have any chance of making this happen before the next presidential election in the United States, they need Jack Eichel there. If you get rid of Jack Eichel, you are not at square one, kids. You are at square ground zero. That is how far you fall if you get rid of Jack Eichel. Because seriously, how many other players are on that team that you could tag as your star player? Rasmus Dahlin? Psych. Rasmus Ristolainen? Psych. Your goaltending? (laughs) Jack Eichel needs to be a Buffalo Sabre if the Sabres want to do anything. Because listen, now yes, fans will still show up there at First Niagara Center. They'll still come. Will they show up in bunches? Probably not. You may see a 2013 kind of crowd there, a 2014 kind of Buffalo crowd there. That's how bad it was. That's how bad it can be in Buffalo sometimes. But people will still show up, especially for Leafs games, of course, next season. Atlantic Division will be back next year. But you need Jack Eichel because if you want to give the fans any form of hope, you need to have a star player. You need to have someone there that can continue to not just drive ticket sales, because I know it's the dumb business side of this thing, but you need a player that shows fans, hey, we're still trying. Because if Kevin Adams gets rid of Jack Eichel to the New York Rangers or wherever, just call it off. Season tickets will drop. People will ask for them to be handed back their money. No one's going to want to watch the Sabres. Because literally there is your one and only threat. So if you're Buffalo, figure it out with Jack Eichel and figure it out fast. Because guess what, kids? September and October is only a few months away. In fact, two months away to September, so training camp. So that's all I'm saying. If you're Buffalo, get it done. Get it done quick. Or else you are going to be in the poop school. Nobody wants to be in poop school. I just made that up. Didn't make any sense whatsoever. And I do apologize to everyone on that. But that is it for this Monday edition of The Kula Show. I know a little bit shorter. That's okay, though. You'll survive. We'll do it on Thursday, though. Another hour show Thursday. The last Thursday of the playoffs, last Thursday of the season. Will we be talking about a Stanley Cup champion? Or will we be talking about possible game six? <laughs> That's, of course, implying that Montreal wins two games in a row, which ugh, it's going to be tough. We'll talk Thursday all about it and more on The Kula Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. Like I said, make sure you check out The Kula Show YouTube channel and your favorite podcatcher for the replay. That'll be up tomorrow. Follow us at The Kula Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time here on The Kula Show. Goodbye!